You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort or 1,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see your beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Wide-eyed, thrilled, bemused. How on earth did that happen? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Wonderful, the soccer betting podcast from your friends at the Action Network. My name is Michael Lieboff. Joining me, as always, are my good buddies and colleagues, BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo, who is still over the pond in jolly old, getting ready for the Champions League, watching some Champions League soccer over there in England. But we're going to look past that. This is a weekend preview. We got a full slate of Premier League matches to break down. And we're going to start with the first match, which is 7.30 a.m. on Saturday. Red Hot Newcastle plus 6.50 at home, hosting Red Hot Liverpool minus 235. The draw here plus 370 thereabouts. Look, we can keep going over the same points with Liverpool. First of all, we are recording this just before they play and lose to Villarreal. Um, but it, it's the same points, right? Ninth game in 28 days, sixth and 17th. For Liverpool, at some point, these these numbers and the amount of miles on these legs should catch up to them. Um, but we all are also pretty skeptical of, of the market love for Newcastle going uh, forward for the rest of the season and have been for quite some time. So pretty tough one to call, I think. Uh, I, I would lean towards a, a result for Newcastle just because of the kind of extenuating circumstances for Liverpool. And I still think they're, they're too expensive to, to bet. But I do wonder uh, where you guys are at. BJ, let's start with you. I'm kind of at the same point where I've been in with Newcastle for pretty much since the January transfer, where I'm not really buying this team right now. They've had a pretty easy schedule since that point. I mean, they've played only two big six sides since January 15th, which is Chelsea and Tottenham. They lost both of them, 3.9 expected goals allowed combined in those two matches. And honestly, they really haven't been that dominant. What's funny is that since that January 15th point, Liverpool and Newcastle are one, two uh, in terms of total points during that time frame. Now Newcastle's played three more matches than city, but still they've 32 points in 15 matches, but their expected points is only 23.5. So they have overperformed. I would say not incredibly drastically, but I don't think any of us are sitting here believing that Newcastle is this suddenly amazing team that can compete with a big six side. Now, 
you know, over that time frame, they run a little bit hot defensively, you know, 13 goals allowed off of 16.1. They're still struggling to play through pressure, which is very, very important in this match. Since that January 15th date, offensive passes per defensive action for Newcastle is 8.14, which is 17th in the Premier League. Liverpool is obviously the best pressing team in the Premier League. They're averaging 11 and a half high turnovers per match. I understand this is a sandwich spot uh, between the two matches against Villarreal, but this is still incredibly high stakes for Liverpool. So I, you'll probably see them rotate their squad a little bit. You'll probably see Firmino, maybe some Diego Jota. But we don't obviously since we're recording this before the Villarreal match, we don't know who Liverpool is going to play on their front three. But I'd expect a full strength squad for Liverpool. Uh, I mean, Liverpool just been dominating against teams not outside the big six. You know, expected goal differential of one point seven four per ninety minutes, averaging two point five expected goals per match. So the last time these two teams met, it was very interesting. It was very chaotic. Liverpool won three one. It was there was a bunch of COVID stuff going on with both teams. But either way, I have 3.6 goals projected for this one. So over three goals, sitting at plus 115, which I think is awfully cheap for how good Liverpool's offense has been all season long. It's uh, It's been quite a run for, for both of these teams. Obviously, Liverpool is getting a lot more attention because of what they're doing. And I wouldn't necessarily say it's, it's, it is a sandwich spot, sure, but it's, it's more just about the buildup of matches uh, for me. Because like you said, this is a high-stakes match. They need to get every point uh, possible to, to keep pace with City who uh, are playing leads over the weekend. So you'd expect both of these teams, especially, you know, the odds makers are saying it, they're both very likely to win. So it's just at some point Liverpool, it, it would be, and everyone keeps saying like, oh, they're not going to drop a point for the rest of the season. And it's just like this assumption that city and them are both going to win out, but at some point they're going to have to, and this trip is, is tough, especially when you're going to, you're going to be playing a team like Villarreal who, who will make you, you know, earn every inch on the pitch. Um, Anthony, you actually have some confidence in in Liverpool. Your boys, you're always on them. Yeah, I, I lean that way. I'm, I haven't played this match yet because I don't really love the spot. I understand that you know they, they've had these bad situational spots for a while now, but I think this one especially is the kind of game where you know you this is going to be a grinded out kind of result against an improved defensive side in Newcastle, and that's been really the main increase and the main improvement for this team is. You know, they added Joe Linton to the midfield now. He's no longer a striker. He's doing a lot of defensive work, winning the ball. Uh, they've improved defensively. Ball-carrying center backs have, have gotten better, and they're not quite uh, as, you know, they're not conceding as many high-quality chances. But, you know, they're still running really well, Newcastle. And I do expect regression more so than I do for Liverpool, who we shouldn't be that surprised is running through the Premier League, given that they're the, one of the two best teams in the world. Now, to put some numbers on it, Newcastle is plus 0.02 XG difference per 90 since January 22nd, which is the day that they started this winning run. They've been on 10 wins, three draws, two, two league defeats. Uh, so they've been very impressive, but they have only uh, amassed about 1.05 expected goals per 90 in that run. So this attack has run very well and their defense is, is overperformed by about three tenths of a goal per match relative to XG. So, I am not a believer in Newcastle. I'll be looking for fade spots. The problem is they play City next week too. So they're going to have a big say in this title race. Uh, but there's not a ton of good fade spots left for Newcastle, unfortunately. So we'll have to uh, to monitor. But this one is going to be a lean toward Liverpool for me. But I'm not really sure I want to lay a goal and a half, goal and a quarter uh, on the road in a, in a bad spot. It should be a really good atmosphere. Obviously, people are buoyant up there in, in, in the Northeast with uh, the way Newcastle has finished this season actually since Eddie Howe came uh, on board. So tip our caps to him. We were all pretty wrong about that one. Um, all right, we'll move to the 10 a.m. slate. Uh, we'll start with Villa and Norwich. Aston Villa is minus 
245. Norwich City is plus 700. The draw here is plus 380. Aston Villa, zero wins, one draw, four losses in their last five. Two goals for nine goals against their expected goals, though, is actually uh, they're they're in the black. They're plus five, uh, 5.7 expected goals for 5.2 against. So, yeah, they've been a bit unlucky during the stretch. Don't don't deserve to be 0-1 and 4 for sure. However, this run has put them, they're not in danger yet, but they are just at the top of that relegation zone. And a, and a loss to Norwich, which is, I wouldn't say, gonna would it be a huge, huge, huge surprise given the way uh, Villa's played uh, and the results they've taken would put a little bit more pressure on them. However, bookmakers uh, don't think that one's coming with Norwich coming out at uh, 7-1. However, the Canaries, 4.1 expected goals for over the last three matches, which, you know, when you consider who they are, pretty good uh, for a team like this. And they've got a uh, 6.4 expected goals allowed. So that tells you they've probably just decided to, you know, have a little bit of fun down the stretch here, play a little bit more loose, play a little bit more wide open uh, as they've basically been eliminated from uh, the, re- the, the fight for survival. Uh, so it's, it's a tricky spot, I think for a team like Villa who will now need to kind of ramp up just, just to get those next two or three points uh, to, to ensure safety. So a tough spot to, for a bet i would think that norwich is live to score or to put some pressure on maybe norwich to, to score first but other than that not too much betting interest here for me uh, bj what about you yeah i actually like under two and a half goals are just sitting at plus 115 uh i mean Aston villa they've been the definition of average under steven gerrard minus 0.9 expected goal differential in his 21 matches in charge they're only averaging 1.16 expected goals per match and allowing 1.2 XG per match. So their matches are essentially averaging 2.36 expected goals. That is very, very low, especially for the Premier League. And they've been running a little bit unlucky defensively as of late. Like you mentioned, nine goals allowed off of 5.2 expected in their last five matches. A lot of them coming against uh, when Tottenham put four goals on them, but only created one expected goal. And, you know, Norwich, I understand they're playing more open. They're having playing more loose. They're going to get relegated. It's only just a matter of time at this point. But I mean, I understand that they've, you know, they back-to-back matches against Burnley and Manchester United. They scored, you know, two goals apiece. But, I mean, this is a club that's only created five big scoring chances in their last 15 matches. And this is uh, the second Dean Smith uh, revenge game. Uh, The last one, Aston Villa got him uh, 2-0 at Carroll Road. It was, you know, only 2.3 expected goals were created, only one big scoring chance in the match. Uh, from a projection standpoint, I only have 2.3 goals uh, projected for this one. So for under two and a half goals at plus 115, I think that's a pretty good price. Or if you want to play both teams to score, no, to protect yourself. I believe it's at uh, minus 115 to protect yourself from uh, potential Aston Villa or Norwich blowout. I believe that has some value as well. Right. The Norwich blowout. That's what's coming. Yep. Uh, Anthony, uh, anything on this one before we move on? Yeah, not a ton. You know, Villa only 1.2 XG since January per match. Not great attacking. They're they're tr- they're struggling to find kind of the balance between defending and attacking, I think, under Gerrard. And uh, that's been the main issue. And when they're able to counter in, in, in the space, they've been effective. And Coutinho has been relatively good in those situations. But uh, they've really struggled otherwise against teams that are going to defend a little deeper, like I expect Norwich to. Doesn't mean Norwich can defend. Uh, I am looking to buy on Villa. I think there's going to be some spots where we may be betting on them. I think Burnley is going to be very, very inflated uh, when they play Villa twice in the next two weeks, for example. Uh, but all, you know, at home against Norwich, I have to lay a goal and a half to really bet this team, and I really don't want to do that. Uh, you know, 
you mentioned it, BJ, the winless run they've been on the last five games. They've been very unlucky. I mean, their XG difference is about six to 5.2, four to against. Their actual is two to nine, four and against. So they've been very unlucky in the last you know month or so. And they've fallen a little bit of 15th, despite, you know, they're, they're 11th in my power ratings. And I think they're a much better team than 15th. So looking to bet on them, but not here. Going to pass. We'll move on to Wolves and Brighton plus 175. Wolverhampton is at home. Brighton 180. Uh, the draw here is plus 210. So basically a pick them across the board. Um, I think this game, I mean, it's been a while since I've said this because it's just not been uh, going well for me when I do bet it. It just has draws uh, written all over it. If you watch that Wolves attack against Burnley, it's just, it, it takes so long for them to get going. They just really do lumber up the pitch. And uh, they spent so much time passing the ball around in, in kind of that middle third that you're, you're talking about like a third of the game just being played in that, in that spot of the pitch where there's very little danger for each team because they're, and they're not really turning the ball over they They play pretty pragmatic uh, possession game when they have their on the ball and, you know, Burnley, I mean, excuse me, Brighton. Um, yeah. They, 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 they press well in that area of the pitch, but it's just, it, to me, this just is two offenses that lumber. they like to dawdle on the ball and, uh, you could see that I don't really see either attack putting too much uh, separation between the two sides. So the draw should always be in play here. Um, but give me, give me the draw plus two ten in what should be, I guess the sleepiest game on the card, but I do want to bring up that Brighton do seem to be rounding into form uh, 2.7 expected goals for the last two matches, 1.4 uh, against saints and, and really dominated, but, were drawn. So, you know, that's, that's typical Brighton. Maybe they're back. Uh, what do you guys have here? Wolves and Brighton BJ. Yeah, I don't really have much here. I, I agree with you. I think this is going to be a sleepy one. One thing, um, and this is kind of going on what Anthony likes to do a possession uh, prop. That would be very, very interesting to take Brighton here because wolves we've talked about the overperformance. We've talked about, you know, <laughs> how lucky they've been all season, but they are most likely in this type of match are just going to try to sit deep and Brighton's probably going to control a large, large share of this type of possession in this one, even though it is at Molyneux. So I would be interested to see what the prop is for possession on this one. If it's Brighton 52% or, or better, I don't know if it'll that be that good. I think that's a decent bet given the style of play that Wolves has because Wolves is dead last in the Premier League in passes per defensive action. They are providing no resistance whatsoever. It's too low blocks. It's sit deep. Brighton's so good at playing through pressure. They're so good at being a, a possession dominant side when they have to play some of these uh, teams that are not inside the big six. So uh, nothing here for me, maybe potentially a live spot if Brighton is, you know, if Wolves scores first, might want to try to get on on Brighton because I'm sure they'll, create enough chances, be able to play through whatever low block that Wolves has to at least create something inside the box. The question always Brighton is, can they finish it? So nothing for me, but I would be very interested to see what the price is on a Brighton possession prop. Yeah, two two teams that just, they, you don't trust them to, to convert the chances that they they do create. And, right. and I don't see Wolves or Brighton create, or excuse me, Wolves creating a ton. And, and the ones that Brighton do create, then you're asking yourself the age-old question, with the seagulls, are they going to finish them? So that's why uh, I really do think the draw here uh, makes some sense. Anthony, you're going back to the seagulls. Yeah, I had this spot circled. Uh, you know, I've had it circled for a few weeks. This little run here, Brighton went through their their dip, right? They had the six straight losses. They were struggling. Everybody said they're done. 
Uh, they beat Arsenal. They beat Spurs. Okay, they, they ran out of gas in the second half against City. I thought City caught them out and transitioned a little bit. They got a little sloppy with their possession, led to some high turnovers, some chances. You know, you lose to City. There's no shame in that. I thought they had a very impressive performance. Again, unfortunate at the weekend. They got Ward Proust uh, once again, and, you know, then they uh, they blow a two-goal lead. But, again, the much better side throughout that match. And this is the matchup, you know, where we have the classic, the undervalued Brighton attack that – is due for some positive regression in a situation where they're going to be able to control the ball. They're going to be able to have a ton of it. I agree with BJ on the possession prop. Does anybody want to guess where Brighton ranks in possession percentage in the Prem this year? Fifth. I would say Michael, fifth. They are fourth. Only Ooh. the big three of Chelsea, Liverpool, and Man City have a higher possession percentage than the Seagulls at 55.5%. Uh, Wolves down in... 11th at 50.3 so a little lower uh, and dead last of course Burnley Newcastle 19th that's enough of that back to Brighton I'm I'm kind of getting creative here on how I want to play this and I was looking at some of the, the the team total props you know we've talked ad nauseum about Wolves I don't have to get into the numbers there but the Brighton team total over one and a half is plus 210 and if you want to get really crazy and expect this to be a back and forth game between two teams don't have a ton on the line I think over two looks decent. I also like the Brighton team total over two and a half plus 750. So maybe a little bit of like an escalator prop kind of thing. Our, our, our pal Brendan Anderson over at the uh, the basketball side of things likes to do those with props. Uh, I don't hate that kind of look here. Uh, not sure exactly how I'm going to play if I'm going to play into those props yet, but I'm definitely playing Brighton on the draw no bet line at minus 105, minus 110. I think at minus 122. So I like the Seagulls a lot. I've been pretty low on Wolves. I think they're going to continue to fade down the stretch here. Their schedule is really tough, so there's not going to be a ton of great fade spots given that they still play Chelsea, Liverpool, but this is one where I'm definitely fading them. All right. Uh, this is an interesting one because obviously it, it has a lot to do with the relegation battle, but I think it's it's a good spot to, to, to talk about kind of just how the betting market <laughs> works in soccer because I think a lot of people would be surprised to see Watford as a favorite, even at home against Burnley, uh, given the, the form of the two teams. Watford plus 165, Burnley plus 175, uh, the draw sitting there, plus 220. The um, Yeah, and I'm sure like it's a, you're talking about the slightest of favorites here, but Watford's lost 10 in a row at home. Burnley uh, are looking like Pep's Barcelona with the way they're, they're just running rampant over teams uh, to, to save off re- relegation. And Watford basically are, are done. Like, they do have something technically to play for. Burnley is the team they are chasing to for survival. This would cut it to a six-point gap. I'll set it up real quick. Villa, 37 points. Leeds, 34. Burnley, 31. And then the relegation zone right now. Beautiful, beautiful. Everton, 29. Watford, 22. Norwich, 21. Uh, Watford at Burnley and Leeds have played one more game uh, than Everton, Villa. Uh, so you know that Roy Hodgson is going to have this one circled saying like, look, gents, this is our last gasp here. Like if we, if we're going to make a run, if we're going to go on a great escape here, it's, it's going to have to happen with Burnley. Meanwhile, I think everybody in the kind of in the betting market, everyone in who, who follows the premier league is just going to expect Burnley to roll here with the way they've been playing. And the fact that Watford is uh, like I said, they're on this historic 10 match home losing streak. They don't have a draw. They don't have a point in months at Vicarage road. Um, so I guess the, it, it, it would be surprising, I guess, if, if you are someone who maybe doesn't pay attention to just how these markets truly work to see Watford as, as a slight favorite, but I actually think they might have a little bit of value here, especially if this number keeps ticking up. Uh, I'll be looking towards Watford to, to get off the schneid and, and perhaps make this relegation fight a little bit trickier for Burnley than people think BJ Hornets, Clarets, where are you going? 
Yeah, I mean, I make Watford plus 163, so I'm right on with what the market has. And the reason for that is because Watford's just been so unlucky under Roy Hodgson. Uh, Minus 19 actual goal differential since he took over, but only a minus 7.9 expected goal differential. And a lot of that positive regression is probably going to come offensively because they've only scored eight goals off of 13 expected during his time in charge. Uh, you know, the bad news for Watford in this one is defensively, they've been trying to set up in a 4-4-2, but this match, they are second to last in the Premier League and crosses allowed into the penalty area. And they're also have allowed the fourth most expected goals off of set pieces, two really bad things if you're going to play Burnley. And listen, Burnley, you mentioned it, Mike, they look like Pep Guardiola's, you know, Barcelona, Manchester City sides right now under Mike, the management of Mike Jackson and Ben Mee. The offense looks revitalized. 4.1 expected goals in their last in their three matches in charge. They're averaging 1.48 expected goals per match in the last five. And I think what's really caused that is desperation. The, the relegation battle has caused them to play more open, take more chances going forward than they normally would. And the additions of Wout Weghorst and Maxwell Cornet has really, really benefited an offense that for the longest time with just Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes has been very stagnant up top. Now they actually have some pace going down the side with Cornet. Burnley, though, their matches have just become chaotic. I mean, 2.8 total expected goals per match uh, in their last nine defensively. They've been really bad over that time frame. 1.7 expected goals allowed per match. I mean, Watford, like you mentioned, Michael, they're going to get relegated, but this is for them to have a mathematical shot. This is it. They win this one. They have a mathematical shot. So um, with the pressure of relegation on both these teams, I do think we're going to see a wide open type of fair, whether, whereas if this match was being played in October, I would probably be sitting here and being like, man, I would really looking at a draw or an under, but given the pressure that both these clubs are under, I think we're going to see a wide open game with chances at both ends. So I have 2.63 goals projected. So I love over two and a half goals at plus 110. Uh, Everton, they're minus 110 right now to be relegated. Burnley plus 160 uh, leads three to one. Yeah, sure. Burnley's been impressive. They, they did beat Southampton and Wolverhampton. Those, those games were at home. Wolves, Southampton, not all that much to play for. I do think Burnley was a little bit lucky uh, in both uh, to, to not concede. So it's and, and also those those matches came on the on the heels of a, of, a, of a, an impressive gutty draw at West Ham, but West Ham was in a tough spot as well. And if you go one match further than that, they lost to Norwich two nothing, right? So it's not like this team they're the type of team that yeah, like they're they're typical Burnley. They will surprise you by by pulling one over on mid table sides. But would anybody if you said to anybody three months ago say hey Watford's playing Watford is going to beat Burnley on April thirtieth two one be like yeah I know that sounds probably right you know that's that's the type of kind of results we'd expect um anthony i think you're you're looking that way too same kind of situation as bj that this should be uh actually a pretty entertaining relegation battle yeah i mean i thought we'd get burnley as a favorite here and i could fade them uh we didn't get that you know and i guess the market isn't quite getting to the burnley overrated yet narrative and i think we're getting there as they get toward the uh, next few matches against Villa and, and uh, their other matches left against, I think they have Newcastle left on the schedule. We were just talking about it. Yeah, Villa twice, Newcastle, Tottenham, I think that, and Watford. Right. And so what happens is these relegation teams and these must-win spots tend to get inflated. And we're going to see that in a second when we talk about another team that's near and dear to Michael's heart. But when we look at the numbers here, my number 
similar to VJ, makes Watford a small favorite. I'm a little smaller than him at 172. Uh, so I don't want to play Watford here because if I'm not even going to get the num- good number, I mean, Burnley is playing much better. And I don't know how much of it is the relegation desperation. It's just Mike Jackson is kind of taking the, the, the grip off the reins a little bit and let him go. I mean, they were playing some, some great stuff against Southampton, I thought. Uh, and the Wolves match, they were definitely vulnerable in transition and Wolves was not able to take advantage of it. Southampton created plenty of chances. They were not as defensively solid. And I think that is going to be a trend going forward. And I think for that reason, even though it didn't quite come off for me with the Burnley team total over one and a half in the last match, I'm going back to goals with these games and I'm going both teams to score minus 125. Uh, I just really don't believe much in uh, the Burnley defense at all. I think they've run extremely well in the last few, three, four matches. Uh, and like Michael said, it wasn't that long ago they did lose 2-0 at Norwich. So they, their defense has not traveled as well as it's been at home. Uh, all that contributes for me into playing the both teams to score at a cheapened number for this Burnley team. The mid-table clash next, Southampton plus 140. Crystal Palace plus 205. The draw here is plus 245. Palace off, uh, I think, a relatively unlucky uh, draw against Leeds at home, which they played well. I thought it was an impressive effort. Um, especially in the middle of the park from Patrick Vieira's side, a couple chances went left begging. Um, we, we've talked about Palace's home road splits all season, much, much better team. One of the better mid table sides at home in the premier league and not as good on the road. They don't travel well, uh, but with the Southampton team, their results are just all over the place, completely scattershot. They're coming off a, a match against their South coast rival. Uh, this one is a little bit, you know, it's not, are they on the beach perhaps? Uh, but, but, you know, both of these sides don't really have much to play for. Whereas palace, I guess, you know, they're 38 points. They'll want to get to that 40 point mark to just ensure their safety. And I think, um, you know, this is a, a team that has really made an, an effort to continue to prove doubters wrong and, and get towards that top, that top half finish under in Vieira's first season. And they're good. Like, they, they, you know, we can take away the, the intangible and, and trying to get into heads of players. It's just this crystal palace team and the Southampton team are, I just don't think, there's not much that separates them considering what we've seen this season. So uh, I like Palace at, at, at better than two to one here. Uh, so I'll be going to back them again, probably back them more than any team. I think this entire season, maybe Brentford would be the, the, the only other team that comes close, but uh, you know, they've treated people pretty well here. So Palace uh, at plus 200 or better for me, uh, BJ, what do you got? Yeah, I agree. Chris Palace, Toronto bet at plus 120. I mean, you could say this match, means nothing to either side. They're both pretty much comfortably in the middle of the table, which is true. But, I mean, Palace is in much better form than Southampton at the moment. They obviously didn't get the result they deserved, like you said, on Monday night. Two effective goals was two to 0.4 against Leeds. And now they get to play a Southampton team that plays a very similar style to what Leeds has played under Bielsa and under Jesse Marsh. I mean, Southampton defensively is even worse than Leeds in terms of allowing high-quality chances. They've allowed 56 big scoring chances in 34 matches and uh, they just conceded three big scoring chances to Brighton this past weekend, crystal palace. Listen, they're not the most prolific offense, but they are 10th in the premier league in big scoring chances and uh, had two at Selhurst park against uh, Southampton earlier this season. Palace's counterpressing gave leads a ton of issues on Monday night. And I think that's going to be, have the same effect on Southampton. I mean, Palace's pressure success rate on Monday was around 33% and their passes per defensive action was 5.6. Southampton's 14th in the Premier League in offensive passes per defensive action. So this is not the best matchups for them, especially considering, like I've already mentioned, since the calendar turned to 2022, Southampton's allowing 1.74 
expected goals per match. Only Norwich has allowed more expected goals during that time frame. So I had this match predicted right at a pick'em. So if you're giving me Crystal Palace draw no bet at plus one twenty, I think that's a fantastic price for Patrick Vieira's men. All right, uh, a good one here at twelve thirty on Saturday. Leeds there plus eight fifty at home hosting City minus three twenty. The draw here is plus four seventy five. We've talked about City and Liverpool. City one point ahead. Liverpool will be playing five hours earlier on Saturday. So City will have the luxury of knowing what they need to get out of this game to keep pace in the title chase. And uh, this is a a matchup that's going to, you're going to hear a lot about this, about how City's kind of just wiped leads uh, past couple of times. It was a seven, nothing the last time these two plays, something like that. Um, But that was Marcelo Bielsa. Jesse Marsh should be a little bit more pragmatic and less naive in in terms of uh, how he sets up this team. Leeds, though, uh, their offenses start to sputter a bit. 1.27 expected goals for across their last two matches. Uh, and this is a weird spot for them, considering what they have to do uh, in the relegation battle. Like I said, Leeds 34 points, uh, Burnley 31, Everton 29. Leeds and Burnley have played one more than Everton. But this is the run-in for Leeds. Home to Chelsea, uh, City, away to Arsenal, home to Chelsea, home to Brighton, away to Bright- uh, Brentford. So, those are 15 possible points. They're going to be underdogs in those first three for sure. And then it's going to basically be a toss up in those, those last two. So they're not out of it is, is basically the point I'm trying to make. And if they do, they're going to need to pull, probably pull a point from one of these first three games or, or win uh, to, to avoid really getting sucked into it. And this just probably isn't the spot. I mean, the, the number on city's probably a little, too inflated considering uh, like, like Liverpool, they've just been playing a ton of soccer. They just played a ridiculous match against Real Madrid uh, in the midweek, which they won four, three, and then now have to uh, face the prospect of going to the Bernabeu uh, next week, a week from today. So it's a bad spot for city, but I think the matchup is too tough. I would lean towards Leeds uh, at a big number, but it likely be a pass for me in a, in a match that could go off the rails in a, in a number of different ways. Anthony, uh, you are actually, pretty confident that Leeds can make this tight. I would, I, I, yeah, I mean, this is the hold your nose play for me. I have not loved fading city this season, but I think this is a really good spot to do it. They just had that enthralling four, three thriller with Real Madrid on Tuesday. They're going to have another fixture on Wednesday in the champions league at Real Madrid. They have an injury crisis in defense and it's really showing its head here. I mean, Cancelo will be back, which will help them on the left side, but who's playing right back. I mean, Fernandinho looked really bad defensively. Kyle Walker is probably not going to be rushed back for this match if they can have him because they'd rather have him, you know, give him an extra couple of days to get ready for Wednesday in Madrid if they can have him for that match. It's a much more important match. Uh, So I'm going to take Leeds plus one and a half because I do think we've seen a significant improvement in Leeds since Marsh took over. And I understand the schedule has not been that hard. They have not played any of the big sides. But I've been overall impressed by their defensive Solidity not conceding a lot of big scoring chances. Palace did create a good number of shots and they had 23 shots in the match, but no, no big scoring chances. And I think that's really a difference from what we've seen from the Leeds teams of the past under Bielsa. Now they're in a more defensive press. Calvin Phillips's presence in the middle is huge for them. Uh, and they have done a good job in just kind of being pragmatic and, and conservative enough to see out results. And so I think this is going to be a, a tricky spot for City. I do. And so of all the city matches left, this might be the one I'm most worried about if I were a city ticket holder or a city fan, because I do think Leeds can cause some problems here. 
it's an interesting scenario too because uh, going into that Liverpool Everton match, uh, the kind of narrative around Liver- uh, Everton was you know just try to keep Burnley's goal differential in play because Burnley has the I think they're two goals ahead of Everton in terms of goal differential. It's a tie. It's a tie. Leeds's goal differential is going to be the worst among the relegation uh, teams by far. I think they're like 13 or 14 goals adrift, something pretty crazy. And um, this is the type of match where like, sure, like they, they'd love to scratch out a draw, but it doesn't behoove them to, um, you know, try to keep it respectable. If, if say city goes up to nil, uh, it, it's not like Leeds are going to say, you know what, like let's try to let's limit the goal differential here and, and stay in this game. And because of the, you know, the tiebreaker, uh, so I think it's an interesting spot if, if you know, for over betters, because I do think it could go uh, off the rails in that regard as, as Leeds would probably just throw caution in the wind if they do go down. Uh, BJ, you're kind of looking that way too. Yeah, I love over three and a half goals at uh, plus 125. And honestly, the match against Real Madrid this pe- on Tuesday is giving me a little bit more confidence in doing that because of like what Anthony mentioned, the problems that exist right now for Manchester City defensively with now with John Stones especially being out, he's been the one who's basically been filling in at right back. So is it going to be Fernandinho? Is it going to be Nathan Ake? Or who's going to actually play out there on the right? But in this type of matchup, you know, Leeds, listen, there are some inflated numbers here. You know, the 7-0, the famous 7-0 loss uh, at City, where City created three and a half expected goals. Leeds had to play a lot of academy players. There was some COVID and injury issues going on at that time. But Leeds against the big six this year have allowed 27 expected goals in nine matches, essentially three expected goals per match. So I understand they've played, been playing better under Jesse Marsh, but like Anthony mentioned, they haven't played anybody really that good. I mean, last three matches allowed 1.7 expected goals south to Southampton, allowed 1.2 to Watford, then allowed two to Crystal Palace on Monday. So in terms of this getting off the rails, I totally agree with you, Michael, because City, when playing with a lead, this year in the Premier League is averaging around two and a half expected goals per 90 minutes. And Leeds, when they're playing from behind, is allowing around 2.2 expected goals per match. So it very, very easily could get off the rails. And I understand, you know, Leeds will probably play a little bit more cautious under Jesse Marsh than they would with Bielsa. I mean, under Bielsa, he that, that's seven nil. He just kept going and going and going and trying to press, and it clearly wasn't working. But you know, he was like, What do we have to lose? Who cares if we lose seven-nothing? Well, Goal differential might matter as we get down to the relegation uh, battle. But yeah, I have three around 3.6 goals projected. So uh, three and a half at plus 125, I think it's tremendous value because City, they do have the ability to rotate guys. And like you saw against Watford, when guys like Gabriel Jesus or Jack Grealish or, or guys who are maybe not seeing the field that much get a chance to play and prove themselves, Will they earn another start under Guardiola, just like Gabriel Jesus did against Real Madrid uh, this week? So I think you'll see a motivated City squad in terms of their attack of guys like Grealish, Raheem Sterling, whoever, who are trying to get into that squad for the second leg against Real Madrid. So, yeah, I love over three and a half goals uh, at plus 125. I'd be interested to see how, let's say Liverpool drops points to, to Newcastle, hypothetically. I would be interested to see how the market moves. Uh, I'm not saying this action one anyway uh, for this one, because then you can think, Oh, maybe Pep will rotate even more uh, knowing that they don't need to you, Liverpool then put the pressure on and they need to win to, to usurp their, their spot back. Um, just, just a little betting thing to keep in mind there. All right, let's flip the page to Sunday. Now Uh big one at Goodison park, Everton uh, near five to one plus four seventy five. I think it might tick up. Uh, they are 
hosting Chelsea minus 150. The draw here is plus 270. Chelsea and Man United play on Thursday. We're recording this on Wednesday, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, this is this will be Chelsea's ninth game in a month. They're third in seven days and fifth in two weeks. Meanwhile, Everton, yeah, they played Liverpool in a derby on Sunday, but they rested Yerimina. They yes, rested uh, Fab, Fabian Delph. Uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin's been, been out again. There are kind of different reports on, on if he will be fit for this one or if he will even play, if he has, because he's been out of form. But they did look a cohesive def- defensive unit against Liverpool, especially in that first half. I'd expect them to be a little bit more buccaneering in this one against Chelsea. But uh, at home, uh, encouraging signs from Everton. Seven wins, two draws, seven losses, which is just so much better than what they've been on the road with uh, 21 goals scored, 20 goals against, and their expected goals are basically in line with those numbers. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see where this number ends up, depending on how Chelsea plays against United. A win there really does just cement their their spot there in the top three. So it could be a, a situation where Thomas Tuchel maybe gives some guys a breather as they they look to, to gear up for the FA Cup. Uh, semifinal in a couple weeks. So it's, it's a trickier spot in terms of uh, the, the, the amount of mileage on the legs and uh, just overall fatigue for Chelsea, but they are just a much better side than Everton. I do think though that the number on Everton at home should be high enough here to, to have a, a shot. Um, Anthony, you uh, disagree. Yeah, it's just the number for me. I can't get there. I mean, I've got Chelsea minus 145. They're only minus 120, 125. Spot's good for Everton. They're at home. They're desperate. They need the points. Chelsea's kind of relaxed, chilling. But, I mean, they didn't seem that way against West Ham last weekend when they had 25 shots and two and a half expected goals and were pushing all the way till the end for the winner. So, yeah, this is going to end up being probably a stay away from me. I don't really want to bet on Chelsea. I haven't really wanted to do that most of the season. Uh, But, yeah, the number's not good enough for me to get involved with Everton either. So I'm staying away. Yeah, and I, similar to that Leeds City match where I was saying, like, oh, I wonder how the market will react if, uh, you know, Liverpool drops points or if they pick up points against Newcastle earlier in the morning. Uh, Burnley, if if Burnley beats Watford and let's say Leeds and City, uh, you know, maybe Leeds gets a point against City or, or pulls a stunner, uh, then it would basically turn this into a must win for Everton rather than a, a must not lose situation where they need to go get the three points um so another you know keep in mind here that if and then if Burnley loses like who, who knows how this market will react but uh, I do think that if like you said like it's 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 tough to, to lay this kind of number with with this Chelsea team given the spot uh and I do think Everton uh should be able to at least keep this game uh tight enough where they can uh if they can finish off a chance or two maybe squeeze out a point or three let's hope to god um otherwise maybe i won't even be on this podcast next year because i'll be i'll be doing the championship one um all right i'll uh, join you on that one yeah, I'll, do, yeah. I'll do double duty and join you yeah everton at preston north north end all right uh, let's talk joining. about uh spurs anthony spurs uh losers of a lot of points lately dropping points left and right they're minus 220 there's two matches yeah i mean there's, there's which, terrible... I, which by the way uh Two Spurs fades, cashes hurt. People told me they were the hottest team in the league. How can you bet against Tottenham? Uh, well, those how could great. you? Oh my gosh, those everything were, was looking those so were two good. Great bet who against, told you that? Bet against spots. I have a lot of friends who told me that I was crazy for betting against Tottenham. Yeah, we'll need to see the receipts on those. Uh, Spurs, my people two. who told me don't bet against Arsenal. Yeah, uh, right we need match. to see the receipts on those ones too. Yeah, uh, look, Joe S- Public. I think you, you're talking to shadows here because we are all, no we are all, we are all no, going, no, we are all going to get Spurs. This podcast was all over those Spurs fade spots. Yeah. I'm talking to people in my social circles. 
well, those Spurs, they're minus 220. Taking on Leicester, 6-1. to one. The draw here is plus 370. Leicester, uh, they're playing Roma. They have a game Thursday. We are recording this once again on Wednesday. Um, and then they play, they'll play the second leg the following Thursday. We knew that offensive regression was coming for Tottenham. It did come uh, against Brentford and Brighton. And now they've only created 1.1 expected goals over their last two matches in, in those matches against Brighton, against Brighton and Brentford. This should be a much different type of scenario. And I actually think that this sets up pretty well for a Tottenham blowout um, of all things. Now that we've, we faded them back on the bandwagon here, I think Leicester, yeah. like they're such a susceptible defense that, uh, and, and with the, them comfortable in the middle of the table and have their sights set on those European semifinals with Roma, you should get a, uh, a chance here for, for Tottenham to, to cruise to, to victory. You know, it feels like three, nothing even, uh, that feels like a, a what this game's going to play out to at least the, like, even even if it doesn't get there the final result that's that's how I feel like the game state will um, and we've talked a lot about how this Leicester defense just continues to overperform they got healthier so that is part of the the equation but you've just been so lucky all season so a good spot I think to back Tottenham minus one and a half uh, plus one thirty five don't hate anything even if you want to get crazy with like a minus two and a half two at, at a big number uh, that's where I'll be going Anthony uh, what about your Spurs. Is a home run spot for Tottenham. I mean, two back-to-back disappointing performances against underrated defenses in Brentford and Brighton, two teams that we love to bet on. Leicester City, bottom five defense in almost every metric, every category, has major issues guarding this Conte system. I mean, they allowed 3.7 expected goals to Tottenham when they played at home earlier this year. Of course, that was the famous Steven Bergvine final minute brace where he scored two to, to flip the result. But really, I mean, it was a very deserved three points for Spurs. They had 3.7 expected goals, well over 20 shots. They were the totally dominant side. Now they're at home. They're the more desperate team. They need the points. And Leicester has, like you said, that sandwich spot with Europa League, excuse me, Europa Conference League, which is far more important for their future than this match. Could see some rotation as well. The number is inflated for me a little bit still. Uh, Could be a good Moneyline parlay piece. Haven't found what I'm going to parlay it with yet, but I think I'm going to end up doing that again with Tottenham here in a smash spot at home. Also don't hate the idea of laying the one and a half. I do think they are going to route Lester, who, as we've talked about on this podcast, is due for some negative regression. BJ, I know you don't really have much from a betting perspective here, but uh, if you want to weigh in. Yeah, I don't have much. I It's the Tottenham yo-yo. They're doing the same thing that Arsenal's doing. Just, you know, one team's up, the other team's down. We'll just keep going like this. Uh, I mean, this is a great spot for them. They, rel- they relatively should win this one. If they don't, uh, top four might be Sayonara by North London Derby time. Um, but this is an easy pass, man. I've taught him at minus 183, the total at 3.2. So not really much value on on anything for, for me in this match. All right, let's, uh, let's keep talking about that race for the top four here. Uh, West Ham plus 350 hosting Arsenal. BJ's Arsenal minus 125. The draw here is plus 280. Uh, West Ham has allowed one and a half, at least one and a half expected goals in five straight matches in all competitions. Uh, their defense has just been, they've just been leaky for a couple months now. They've, they're playing very wide open games, back and forth style uh, contests. And that makes us a tough matchup. Like we, we love, you know, we always talk about betting numbers. And I think the number here on, on West Ham looks about uh, where I'd, where I'd want to bet it, but considering their defense and the fact that Arsenal is, um, you know, looks looks a fluid offensive side right now. I, I just don't want to bet it. So I'll be passing here. I'm actually more interested to hear your two thoughts. BJ, let's start with you. 
Yeah, I think the main point here is that West Ham has no healthy center backs available for this one. Craig Dawson is suspended after getting a red card against Chelsea. And Issa Diop and Kurt Zuma are both injured. So what are they going to do? I, I don't really know. And if, if, if they play anything like they did against Chelsea, they it's very, very clear that their full focus is on the Europa League semifinals against Frankfurt. So it wouldn't shock me if they come out in something very, very defensive to try to protect their back line. That's going to be incredibly vulnerable uh, against an Arsenal team that, listen, I mean, I think this match is going to set up very similar to the one against Chelsea. I think playing an Arsenal you know, team total over one and a half, which is currently sitting at minus 125, I don't really have any value on it from a projection standpoint, but if you factor in that West Ham has no healthy center backs and they're in a sandwich spot, then I do believe that has value because I just don't really see how West Ham, given what we've seen, is going to take this match you know, as importantly as they would with the Europa League. And I just really don't know how a team with no healthy center backs is going to set up. Uh, are they going to play Declan Rice? They, they rested him for the first 70 minutes against Chelsea. You know, they rested Jared Bowen. They rested Mikel Antonio. Uh, they're going to have to play something with Ben Johnson, Aaron Cresswell, and, and somebody else back there uh, to potentially hold off Arsenal. So, um, but from a, you know, a purely a projection standpoint, I mean, Arsenal minus 120 is a tad overvalued in, in the market, but this is a great spot for Arsenal, especially given the fact that, that uh, they get West Ham in this spot on the road. Uh, so definitely leaning towards Arsenal uh, team total over one and a half at, at minus 125. Bakayo Saka's questionably picked up a thigh injury in the last match, but if they start uh, Emile Smith-Rowe and Martinelli along with Odegaard, still very, very lethal attack for the Gunners. So great spot for Arsenal uh, and horrible spot for West Ham. All right, uh, let's move to United and Brentford. Monday night football, 3 p.m., United's at home, they're minus 140, Brentford plus 360, the draw is plus 295. It is uh, almost impossible to lay this kind of price with United, even at home. Uh, I mean, if you told Alex Ferguson a decade ago that, hey, nobody's going to be want to play minus 140 at Old Trafford again, when you guys host Brentford, he probably would shoot you in the head. Um, once again, it does, I should be responsible and note that we are recording this before United play Chelsea on Thursday, so it's going to change a little bit, but it really just exactly, I was going to say, it just does not matter because Brentford have just been the better team than Manchester United uh, compared to Manchester United for six weeks, seven weeks now since, since I guess it's about two months. I think Erickson made his debut February 26th. That's uh, two months almost to the day. And since then, they've just been one of the more impressive teams in the Premier League. Uh, 11.2 expected goals for over the last seven matches uh, for Brentford. That's 1.6 per. Um, they just outplayed Tottenham in an in a unlucky draw. They are just rolling. And the, the exact opposite is true of, of Manchester United. I mean, we, we do tend to, to lean and, and use numbers much more than um, the eye test here. But if, if this is a simple eye test thing, I think, like you can just see one side here is playing for one another, they're cohesive and doing everything that they're supposed to do to manage a, a, a 90 minutes of a soccer game where the other is just not um, going into the Chelsea match for United 5.8 expected goals against in the last three matches. And I mean, it's not like they played a particularly brutal schedule. Sure. Liverpool was in there, but uh, you know, Norwich and it's just, it's just ugly for them right now. So 
plus 360, I think is a great number here on the B's. So I'll be on the money line. Brentford once again at Old Trafford. And I don't think I'm going to be alone here, Anthony. Yeah, we'll take a two for two, right? Uh, I thought I wasn't going to have a good number here because, I mean, we're at the bottom, bottom of the market on United and we're, we're at kind of a pretty good spot here for Brentford. They have played well in recent weeks. They got the great result at home against Spurs, almost won it in stoppage time. Probably were the slightly better side uh, overall, but, you know, the number still shows value for me on the bees. So I'm happy to play them again. I feel good about playing them at this number. This is the famous rematch of when Thomas Frank sp- said we smashed them in the first half. Uh, and they did. And, and if you go back to the stats in that first match, yes, United were much better in the second half. They found more space in behind. They had a confident Mar- Marcus Rashford who was playing at his best at that time. That is no longer the case right now. Paul Pogba looks like he's out. So there's a lot of question marks about this United attack. that's not going to be able to exploit Brentford uh, with some in-behind balls quite as much, I don't think. Meanwhile, like you said, the cohesiveness of Brentford as, as a unit, uh, there's a reason that they dominated set pieces this year. It's because they they are very efficient and use analytics and, and are very well-drilled on whether it's throw-ins, free kicks, corners. Well, that's been a major defensive weakness for United all season. It hasn't really gotten better under Ragnick. Uh, and at the other end of the pitch, United not going to get much joy off of set pieces. Only one, now two goals for the season off of them. So uh, I'm playing the beast. And BJ, uh, I mean, I, I can, couldn't imagine if, if you told me you weren't playing Brentford in a spot, I would, I would maybe just get sick on the spot. No, I mean, I've basically faded United any chance I can get over this stretch. And this is another fantastic opportunity. So to your point, Michael, since Christian Eriksen has come into essentially start, you know, every single match for Brentford since February 26th, Brentford has around a plus five expected goal differential United's at minus three. So I test numbers tell you that Brentford has been essentially eight goals better than United over that time stretch. Now you could say, Oh, well, United's played a tough schedule. Yeah, it's true, but they've still been very, very poor all season long. Uh, I mean, Brentford, they were by far the better team against Tottenham on Saturday. One expected goals, 1.6 to 0.6. The common denominator between both United and Tottenham is it's two sides that don't provide a good amount of pressure. I mean, United was supposed to be this amazing pressing team under Ralph Ragnick. Well, since he's taken over, they're 12th in passes per defensive action. Brentford does struggle overall for the season playing through pressure, but with Christian Erickson being inside his ability to play on the ball and connect, you know, the play from the midfield to the attack, I think has really helped Brentford. I mean, since he's been in the squad, he has a 0.4 XG plus expected assist per 90 rate, which just is, I really hope he stays with Brentford. Just as a side note, I really hope he doesn't leave for one of these bigger clubs because Brentford is going to be one of those teams similar to Brighton last year that I think we're going to have a lot of different types of futures on next season and a team that I really can make think, I mean, we all believe it can make the ascendancy up towards the top seven. Um, Anthony mentioned it. I mean, the first, when these two teams met, I thought it was one of the more unfair results of the entire season. Uh, Brentford losing three, one at home to United. Uh, So I mean, I have Brent, I only have United at minus 103, and that number's probably going to dip when they get smashed by Chelsea on Thursday. So uh, Brentford plus half a goal, plus 115, I think has tremendous value. All right, that, that'll wrap up the Premier League. Let's uh, move over to Europe pretty quickly here. We'll start with the Bundesliga as usual. And BJ, let's just go right back to you. Yeah, 
Yeah, Cologne, draw no bet, minus 120 playing against Augsburg, or as Anthony says, Fraudsburg. <laughs> uh, I mean, Augsburg's going to get really, uh, really lucky not to get relegated this season. They've all but secured safety when they beat Bochum last weekend, you know, putting them seven points ahead of the relegation playoff spot. Uh, but their overperformance since the beginning of March is a bit drastic. Plus four actual goal differential versus a minus 1.4 expected goal differential. Cologne is battling for a Europa Conference League spot, which would be a big deal for their club, especially given the fact they were in the relegation playoff just last season. They've been in good form. They've won three straight matches, creating 6.3 expected goals in the process. And this is a really good matchup for them for a couple of reasons. First off, Cologne's one of the best pressing teams in Germany. I mean, they're first in passes per defensive action, second in pressure success rate, and third in high turnovers. Augsburg, terrible at playing through pressure. They're 17th in offensive passes per defensive action. Secondly, Cologne gets a ton of shots off. They're third in shots per 90. Uh, and they are the number one team in Germany in terms of crosses completed into the penalty area, while Augsburg is bottom five in both those categories defensively. And when these two teams met earlier this season, Augsburg won 2 nothing but it was a very unfair result because Cologne won the expected goals battle 1.2 to 0.7. So I'm expecting a little revenge from Cologne on Saturday. I have their draw no bet line projected at minus 140. So I think you're getting some good value on them at the current price of minus 120. Uh, no surprise here. I like mines plus 475. They are taking on Bayern Munich at home. Uh, it's the 9:30 AM kickoff at Saturday Munich coming off the title clincher in the Bundesliga over their eternal rival. Borussia Dortmund, a 3-1 win for Bayern. Um, this Mainz team is just there. They're much better than I think you know most casual people realize when you think about good Bundesliga teams. They're first in preventing big scoring chances in Germany's top flight. They're fourth in shots per 90 allowed and third in box entries per 90 allowed. So this is just a really tricky defensive team to break down. And they also are have been steadily improving offensively throughout the season. They're sixth. Uh, in terms of creating big scoring chances, and they take the fourth most shots per 90. So a good spot, I think, on a good team and a good number, plus 475 at home. On mines, uh, it's getting towards the end of the Bundesliga season here, and I will certainly miss this team. Anthony, what do you have? Yeah, I've been waiting for my Bielefeld fade spots. There was a couple of them that I was able to get in, but they're the worst team in Germany by my projections. I have them worse than Greuterfurt. They have scored two goals in their last eight matches, and it's really not that much of, of an underperformance when you look at their XG. They've only created about four goals in their last or four expected goals rather in their last eight matches in the Bundesliga. They finally got on the board, finally cleared one expected goal against Köln last weekend in a three-one defeat. But their defense has also been terrible. I mean, they've conceded at least one point eight expected goals in each of their last six matches. They are a terrible team, and we're finally getting a decent price to fade them because Hertha is just on the cusp of relegation. They're in 15th. I've got them rated as the 14th best team. I think they've been a little bit, and I and, then, and they've downgraded quite a bit. I mean, they are typically a team you, you'd expect to be in the mid-table, safe in the mid-table, competing even potentially upwards for Europe. But this Hertha team finally starting to find a little bit of form recently. Uh, they got the huge win over Osberg to get themselves out of the relegation zone. They backed it up with a win last weekend as well. So Hertha's starting to play better. And I think what we're going to see is that they're going to seal their safety here with a win. Uh, I like them draw no bet minus 110 at Bielefeld. Bielefeld, again, their attack is so bad. They're the worst in the league, and they sit in this deep low block and try to counter, but they're not preventing high-quality chances when they're doing that. So I'm looking to play against Bielefeld probably one last time before I cash my relegation futures on them. 
Uh, back to BJ for La Liga. I actually like Atletico Madrid against Athletic Bilbao. Uh, basically, two similar styles of play, 4-4-2, low blocks. But I do think Atletico is a tad undervalued here in the road. I mean, first off, Atletico Bilbao actually allows a ton of shots. They're 13th in La Liga and shots allowed per 90. But the good news for them, a lot of them are low quality, second in big scoring chance allowed. But secondly, Atletico Bilbao allows a ton of crosses as well. 17th in crosses allowed in the penalty area. And when you're facing a 4-4-2, a lot of where the attack comes from is down the flanks and swinging in crosses. I know Atletico doesn't have the high number of crosses completed into the, the penalty area, but Diego Simeone is a tactical mastermind. And I'm sure he'll know that and want to play that this weekend. I mean, what's concerning for Athletic Bilbao is their last match against Cadiz. They allowed three and a half expected goals and 27 shots to quite literally the worst offense in La Liga before that performance. I mean, Cadiz was a lot, was around 0.8 expected goals per match and allowing them to do that high of a number is a little bit concerning. I mean, Atletico is still the number one defensive team in Spain. I don't need to tell you guys that 0.7 non-penalty expected goals per match. The last time these teams faced off, it was a very sleepy 0-0 draw. Bilbao only created 0.9 expected goals. They only had 11 shot-creating actions and six shots. And that was with uh, Jio Felix red card in the 78th minute. So Atletico Madrid, draw no bet at minus 130. I'm going to protect myself against a draw, but I do believe it has... Diego Simeone's men have some value because they're still got to secure a top four spot uh, in Spain. Anthony, what do you have for La Liga? Real Sociedad and Rayo Vallecano over two in both teams to score. For some reason, Real Sociedad can't score anymore. I don't know what's happened to this attack. They've only scored 32 goals all season from 44 expected goals. Maybe we curse them when we put our, our futures on them to win. We is uh, a relative term there. You curse yeah, them. Yeah, I curse them. I am a curse, by the way. I don't know if I tweeted about how Real were frauds. They scored a minute later. And then uh, tweeted about how City finally exposed in the second half. They scored a minute later. So I'm pretty impressive with these these uh, Twitter jinxes. But anyway, back to my pick. Uh, you know, 32 goals this season from 44 expected. And it's gotten really bad the last few matches. Uh, our guy, Alexander Isak, we as pod hosts are big fans of him. He is disappointed in terms of finishing this year. But really, the last six matches, they've created at least 1.2 expected goals in all of them. And they've played some decent defensive sides from Real Batiste to Barcelona to Sevilla. And yet they just have not been able to find goals and not scoring in any of those three matches. Uh, pretty concerning, but not worried about it long-term. And I do think you'll get, you're getting a cheaper price only over here because of that. And Ryan Vicano, we talked about that due for some positive regression had been playing better than their numbers suggested. They finally got a good result last weekend. Uh, first win since December, they backed it up with a big win against Barcelona. But again, their defense still not that impressive when they've played decent sides in this league. They're conceding a good amount of chances, and I expect it to be the case here. So going over two, and both teams score. All right, uh, now on to Italy, Syria. Ah, uh, BJ, what do you have? Uh, the first match, Empoli versus Hellas Verona. Verona, we've talked about them quite a bit, and their overperformance offensively, 59 goals off round 47 expected, but they've actually drastically underperformed defensively. 51 goals allowed off only 42 expected. They are still alive for a spot in the top seven, which would get them into the Europa Conference League, which would be a big deal for a club of their size. Empoli pulled off a big upset over Napoli this past weekend. They beat them 3-2, came from behind from a 2-0 deficit. That was their first win in Serie A since they beat Napoli 1-0 on December 12th. Empoli has some 
major home road splits, which are quite drastic and not the way you would think away from home. They have an even expected goal differential, but at home, they have a minus 11 and a half expected goal differential. They're allowing 2.04 expected goals per match, which is by far the worst mark in Syria. Uh, this is a good matchup for Verona, who is a top five pressing team in Syria uh, by every single metric in struggles playing through pressure. Uh, their poly really struggles at creating high quality chances. They're 17th in big scoring chances, which is good news for Verona, who that's their one weakness defensively. They're 13th in big scoring chances allowed. I have Verona projected as a plus 120 road favorite at Empoli. So draw no bet at, at even money, I think has some good value. Uh, Anthony, anything in Syria? Uh? Yeah, I'm going to take Venezia plus two. I mean, this is, they're really, really bad. I mean, minus 0.9 expected goal difference per 90, worse in the league by far. They have lost now eight straight matches in Serie A. They have not had a win since the Torino match in February, uh, early February. Uh, they have had one draw since then. So it's been a very, very dark run for this Venezia team. And we're not really getting the bump in the market that I thought we would for a team who is still alive, somewhat alive. Alive is a relative term when you're this bad, but they do have a chance still of fighting off relegation. They're only about six points out with five matches to play. If they were to win a couple of games, they could get themselves back into safety, but not foreseeing that in their future. However, I do think at plus two, Juve has not been very good lately. They got very fortunate to beat Sassuolo uh, on the road on Monday. They were uh, outplayed considerably in that game, outplayed by Bologna until the last five minutes when Bologna got two red cards, which is ridiculous. And then they got the equalizer and uh, were not impressive against Inter Milan either. So I have not been particularly impressed with this UVA team. I think this is the worst UVA team we've seen in a long time. And so I just think they're getting a lot of market respect here still, and I'm just not buying it. So I'm holding my nose and I'm playing plus two on Venezia. All right, uh, BJ, League Un, take it over. Yeah, uh, Nice, plus 105 on the road at Bordeaux. It's desperation time for both these clubs. Nice is fighting for a top three spot while Bordeaux is trying their best to get out of the relegation zone with four matches left to play. Nice has done a fantastic job at just dominating the bottom half of the table this season, plus 14.6 expected goal differential in 18 matches versus the bottom 10 teams in France. They're also averaging 1.73 expected goals per match in those matches. Christophe Galtier has done a masterful job at just like he did at Lille last season, revitalizing one of the best club, the biggest clubs in France His 4-4-2 system, which was successful at Lille has been outstanding with Nice last season. Nice, 1.25 1.25 expected goals per match. Gaultier comes in, 4-4-2 system, 1.55 expected goals per 90 minutes when playing out of it. That outstanding offense gets to travel to Southwest France to take on not only the worst defense in France, but the worst defense in all of Europe. Bordeaux has allowed 84 goals in 34 matches and have kept just one clean sheet all season long. I understand they've been unlucky. If you look at expected goals, it's 62.4. That's pretty drastic, but if you're allowing 1.85 expected goals per match, that's still really bad. Uh, when these two teams met early in the season, granted it was only the third match of the season. Nice completely dominated them, won four nothing, created 3.1 expected goals. So I have Nice projected at minus 123. So uh, I like the value on them at plus 105. Now let's move on to our favorite underdogs. Uh, it didn't show in the results, but we came pretty close again last week, and that was a 286 to one shot if you if you wrap the three picks together you know it, it could have been real live if, if if brentford had not hit the anthony, post if anthony didn't jinx it it would have been yeah, real live exactly did i jinx it 
Yeah, you said we're live after. Yeah, uh, yeah after like one goal. After, and then, was it Union yeah. Berlin? And then, yeah, yeah after Union yeah, Berlin, Union scored, I said, said we're live. And then, yeah. and then I guess the B's tied and then Lenin's tied, right? So, yeah, yep. so we were close. Yep. B's but, dominated, couldn't score. So, uh, anyways, yep. um, this week. Well, I'm, I'm just going to say right now, I'm going to get out ahead. We are live. Yeah. No, I feel good about this one for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's, uh, we'll start. We just talked about the B. So, uh, we'll start with you, BJ. Yeah, Brentford plus 360. Let's try it again against a Manchester United team that has, I mean, I've already said it, but they've quit. They've quit on the season. They have nothing really left to play for. Their top four hopes are gone. This is a fantastic matchup for a Brentford team that finishing inside the top 10 would mean a ton to this club. You know, I've already mentioned that Christian Eriksen coming into the side has helped the Bees play through pressure much better. He's really linked the midfield to the attack. The first time these two teams met, I mean, it was one of the more unfair results of the entire season. Brentford won an expected goals 2.2 to, to 2, but lost 3-1. I have Brentford projected at just around 3-1. to one. So if you're giving me them at plus 360, I think you're getting some good value on the Bs to pull off an upset at Old Trafford. I'm going to take Mines, a shot on Mines here, plus 475 against Bayern Munich. The newly minted, was it 27 straight? time what well, i don't know what it 10 is straight. 10, 10, 10 straight yeah no I'm kidding not since uh, jürgen klopp your, your friend your friend jürgen klopp yeah <laughs> yeah the uh 10 straight bundesliga titles here for bayern munich they just clinched it last week against uh their eternal rivals Borussia dortmund so they should be in a little bit of a letdown spot here as they play out the string of the rest of their regular season and mines are a just a really strong side uh, they lead the Bundesliga in terms of preventing big scoring chances, they're fourth in shots per 90 allowed and third in box entries allowed. So a defensive team that should be able to at least snuff some of the uh, bite of this Bayern Munich attack and, and stay with them. And if they can do that at plus 475, you're holding a good ticket. So I'm going back to both Svensson and the boys from mines. Anthony, your favorite dog. Yeah. Uh, Leon plus 210 on the road against BJ's favorite team, the Marseille boys. Uh, another win for Marseille over the weekend. They are looking pretty dandy to be in the Champions League next year. Can't wait Very to exciting. fade them next year. Yeah, Just we'll, side note, yeah, I cannot we'll, wait to fade them. We'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, as far as this spot goes, I mean, Marseille has a tricky road spot on Thursday at Feyenoord, uh, and I think they're going to struggle there. And I also think they're going to struggle this weekend against Lyon team who has played well below both their talent level and their underlying numbers for this entire season. Uh, they really should be a top three or four team in France. And Marseille power rated around sixth or seventh. If you look at like 538's ratings uh, and they've been fortunate. I mean, they're, you know, fifth in expected goals against and seventh in expected goals for they've overperformed quite a bit Do expect some regression at some point for this team. They're not the second best team in France. As much as I love them, I will be fading them this weekend. If you parlay those three teams together, Brentford, Mines and Lyon, 81 to one. Uh, feel really good about that one. Anthony, uh, your favorite bet in the premier league this week. Yeah, I'm going to go Brighton, draw, no bet, minus 105 on the road against Wolves. Wolves have been incredibly fortunate defensively this season. They've overperformed their expected goals against by about 20 goals, and you can explain about half of that because of the brilliance of Jose Sa in the goal. But one, I'm skeptical of how long he's going to be able to continue that performance and that dominance, given his track record as a keeper is pretty mixed. He's generally probably a positive guy, but no one can sustain this level of performance. And a lot of it has come from teams just not taking their chances against Wolves when presented opportunities. Brighton should dominate this match. They're top five in possession percentage. They get the ball into opponent penalty areas very well, expecting them to be able to do the same. And Brighton's biggest weakness is against high turnovers and getting caught out in defensive transition when they're on defense. Wolves doesn't do a lot of pressing. 
like BJ mentioned, they are dead last in press for defensive action. The Seagulls have underperformed their attack most of the season. I don't hate chasing the idea of a team total, you know, over one and a half or whatnot, but my best bet is Brighton drawn a bet at minus 105. I projected at minus 122. My favorite Premier League bet, no surprise here, Brentford, the Bees, plus 360, taking on Manchester United on Monday night football, 3 p.m. Eastern time. This is a uh, surprising number considering the form of these two teams. Since February 26th, Brentford is 5-1-2, win, draw, loss, with 14 goals scored, 7 goals against, and a plus 5.3 expected goal differential. In that same span, once again, recording this before United played Chelsea on Thursday, United are 2-2-4 with a minus 3.5 expected goal differential. Brentford are just their better form. They're a team that hasn't given up on the season. And those two things you cannot say about Manchester United. You have to be crazy to be laying minus 145 on United, even at home in this spot. So give me the Bs, Brentford, plus 360. BJ, what's your favorite bet? Watford, Burnley, over two and a half goals at plus 110. Under the management of Mike Jackson and Ben Mee, Burnley looks revitalized. There are three matches in charge. They've created 4.1 expected goals. They're averaging around 1.5 expected goals in their last five matches. And what's the reason for that? I believe it's desperation. The relegation battle has forced Burnley to come out and play more open, play more aggressive going forward in attack. Uh, That will play into the hands here of this type match because Burnley, their matches over the last two months or so have averaged around 2.8 expected goals. And defensively over the last nine, they've been pretty bad, allowing 1.7 expected goals per match. And Watford, listen, it's sad. They're going to get relegated. It's only a matter of time now. But they've been very unlucky under Roy Hodgson. Minus 19 actual goal differential, but only a minus eight expected goal differential. And a lot of that positive regression is going to come offensively because they've only scored eight goals off of 13 expected in his time in charge with both these teams battling to get out of relegation, they're going to have to be aggressive. They're going to have to go forward. So I think we're going to see a very open game with a lot of chances at both ends of the pitch. So I have 2.6 goals projected for this match. So over two and a half goals at plus 110, I believe has some value. And that wraps up another episode of Wonder Goal. We will be back on Monday morning to preview the second legs of the Champions League. Talk about any midweek uh, contests that come our way as well. Until then, though, we wish you the best of luck on your soccer bets for this weekend.